for those of you who've been with us, you would know that we're doing a series on prayer. And uh, we've named the series Abide because we believe that is the heart behind prayer. But I know for some of you, when I talk about prayer, when I say we're doing a series on prayer, for some of you, it sounds like I've just said we're doing a series on broccoli. <laughs> Something you kind of know is good for you, but man, oh man, it's not your first choice on a Friday night when it comes to choosing what you're going to eat. Now, I grew up in a Christian family. In fact, I grew up in a pastor's family. Um, I knew prayer was something that we had to do. I knew, I, I never fully understood prayer though. I never fully understood the goals of prayer. I never fully understood the power of prayer. And yet I knew it was important. My family modeled it for me. My church community modeled it for me. And I used to pray regularly. Now, I don't know if you've ever had this experience where you kind of set some time aside to pray. Maybe you decide to wake up early on a Monday morning and you're like, okay, I'm going to pray. And you get your coffee ready. You get your Bible out. You get your, your journal out because I know that's what you guys are into now. Um, you kind of got an hour to pray and you're kind of like, okay, I'm ready now. One, two, three, pray. And you're like, um... Uh, <laughs> oh look shiny things you know like uh, okay my coffee needs some more shit I don't know if you've ever been in that moment where you just don't know how to pray and all with the best intentions you get to that moment and um, I, I, I must tell you that a lot of the time when I pray I feel dramatically unspiritual I don't know if I envision in the back of my mind that when I have this prayer time with God, it's going to feel like this out-of-body experience, like angels in my room. And like two hours later, there I am completely like, you know, full of the joy of the Lord, glowing like Moses. Uh, something in me was maybe hoping that's what prayer would feel like. And yet when I pray so often, I'm just feeling so unspiritual. I'm just like aware of, I often pray at my desk. It's like my desk, my chair, my walls, the ceiling, the sounds outside. I'm like, but God, this should be a very spiritual moment. But for years, I'd often just land up saying things, uh, saying things that I think are good things, the things that were coming from a really a right-hearted place saying things, some of them admittedly kind of the religious things, things that I know I ought to be saying or I hope that God wants me to say. And to be honest, I think God is in that. Not because I'm an awesome prayer, but because God is that good. And I think He's in our weak attempts at prayer and in my weak attempts at prayer. But a word that changed my view and perspective of prayer completely is the word that we got on the stage here and we call the series, it's the word abide. Suddenly it wasn't just about do your prayers. Suddenly it wasn't just about I must pray. It was Jesus, I want to know you. You are a God who died so that I can relate to you. Jesus, this is what you have done and you want a relationship with me. You want me to know you above knowledge. You want me to really, really, really know you. And the way I know you is through prayer. Suddenly it's not about praying, it's about knowing. And prayer becomes the main means to the end of knowing Jesus. That's also why we're fasting. 
We are training our whole selves, not just our will, not just our desires, but we are training our body to say, Lord, I want to know you more than anything, including steak, including Coke, including coffee, and including white bread. God, I want to know you. And that desire has become the new target in my crosshairs. And when I'm feeling so insignificant and so unspiritual, I just remind myself, this is why I pray. Jesus, I want to know you. Now, I I love the fact that as much as you and I might feel drastically inferior and maybe spiritually inferior, we see exactly the same thing in the disciples. There was a time when uh, the Gospel of Luke tells us that Jesus was praying. He had just come back from a lengthy time of prayer. And Jesus' disciples come up to him. Now something you need to know about Jesus' disciples is they were good little Jewish boys. And what I mean by that is they were taught to pray. They were probably praying at least once a day, if not two to three times a day, as good religious Jewish boys. They were taught to do this. They'd been praying their whole lives. And yet a moment comes when they were called to follow Jesus. And as they follow Jesus, they see something different in him. They don't see these religious prayers that the Pharisees had been kind of doing in a performance style mode. They see something intimate, connecting Jesus with his father. And they start saying to themselves, I want some of that. So they go up to Jesus and they say, Jesus, Teach us to pray. Now remember, they've grown up praying just like you and I. You and I, many of us here, have grown up praying and yet somehow we don't think that Jesus has anything to teach us. I I, I know for me, I really struggled with this concept of, you know, just have a conversation with God. Not that I thought it was theologically wrong. I'm just not a chatty guy. I sometimes struggle to have conversations with the people who are closest to me. Now I'm just sitting, like, look at my desk and have a conversation with a God I cannot see. So that didn't really help me. But when Jesus was asked by his disciples, how should we pray? Teach us to pray. Jesus didn't just say, well, say whatever you want. He actually said, this then is how you should pray. And maybe some of you need to take note of what we're going to learn this morning and actually put yourself in learning mode. I want to learn how to pray. I want to learn to relate to the Father the way Jesus connected to the Father. And Jesus gave us what we now know as the Lord's Prayer. Now we prayed the Lord's Prayer earlier and this was a really special moment for us as a church. But many of you grew up maybe in schools where you were forced to pray the Lord's Prayer. And you had no idea what you're praying. In fact, I bet you that most of you, if not all of you, can recite the Lord's Prayer off by heart. But I don't believe Jesus, there's nothing wrong with saying it like we did. But I don't believe that's necessarily the way Jesus intentioned it. It's not a mantra. It's not a magic spell we say and spiritual things happen. Jesus is teaching us postures. You're going to see that if we're going to pray this prayer, it's one of the most changing prayers you can pray and the person that's going to change is you it's giving us postures it's giving us ways of approaching our father in heaven it's giving us the kinds of things we should be praying for 
So I, I hope that we all learn something here this morning. So let's start right at the top. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now I've come to believe that these first two words are the most important two words of the entire prayer. Our Father. A.W. Tozer says this, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Jesus is training us in prayer to view our Father in heaven the way he viewed his Father in heaven. Right from the outset, he's shifting something within us. Now I know what makes us so hard is that there is not a perfect father in this room. And I don't care who you are and how great your father is, he was not a perfect father. And I know some of you, and I've heard some of your stories, have stories where you're sharing uh, just about an incredible disconnect with your father for a whole bunch of reasons. Maybe you feel like your father was a stranger to you. Maybe you feel like he wasn't fully present, either physically or emotionally. I've heard stories from some of you where your father was abusive. Maybe your father passed away and you've grown up in a fatherless environment. Or you've had a stepfather who raised you. And maybe he was an upgrade or a downgrade from your previous father. Maybe you've had many fathers. Even if you think you've had a great father... Now I believe I've had a great father. Again, he was not perfect. And what makes it so difficult to pray these two words, our father, is that we tend to, we do this unconsciously, we don't know we're doing this, but we tend to see our father in heaven through the lens of our fathers on earth. And whether you think you've had a great father or you've had a difficult space growing up, We are going to struggle to connect with God in the same way Jesus connected with the Father. Because we are always going to be seeing our Father. We're going to be shaped because of our fathers on earth. Now probably some of the best advice that I've ever heard on this is by a guy called J.D. Greer. I know I quote him often here. And he suggested this. What we need to learn to do is to start to see our fathers on earth through the lens of our Father in heaven as opposed to seeing our Father in heaven through the lens of our fathers on earth. Because then we'll begin to see our Father as the good Father. And our fathers on earth as great fathers, but also broken fathers who are in need of grace and are in need of compassion. And in most cases, did their level best for you. But I get to see my Father on earth through a lens of compassion and love. And then I'm freed to see my Father in heaven. This is what Jesus died for. What this means is that when I come into my Father's presence, now I'm talking about my heavenly Father, I don't have to come with these incredibly large words. I don't have to impress Him. I don't have to make Him like me. I I don't have to come, you know, bowing and scraping. I get to run into His arms and jump into His lap and call Him Daddy because that's what Jesus called His Father. And he wants you and I to have exactly the same relationship. I love this picture that's going to come on the screen. It's President JFK. And there he is, the President of the United States, probably doing something incredibly presidential and important. And most people coming into the Oval Office or wherever he's sitting over there are going to come in bowing and scraping and coming with the titles and postulating and putting all the best foots forward. But his son... 
His son gets to run in and just be near him. And, Daddy, I'm tired. And Daddy can have a cookie. And Daddy, help me. And, and he just wants to be near his father. And he's got an access that no one else in the world has to him. And that is what Jesus wants for us. And if that sounds sacrilegious, it is. But that's what the gospel is. The gospel is you and I become fully fledged sons and daughters because of what Jesus did on the cross. And therefore we can approach God as father, as dad. Now, I know my own heart. I've got a bunch of religious hoops that my heart needs to go through. All right, I've got a bunch of grooves that I've been kind of working into my life and coming and saying all the right things and trying to impress God and trying to make Him like me and make Him want me. And therefore, my heart needs some preparation. So here's what I do. And it's just me. But when I start praying this prayer, which has become the prayer I pray most regularly, I start off by just, my Father. You are my Father. You are a good Father. If my dad, who is broken and evil, knows how to do good things for me, how much more, Father in heaven, are you going to give good things to me? I'm a son. Maybe I'm not feeling like a son today, but I am a son. And you welcome me into your presence. I I am rooted and established in love. I, I don't have to become, I am rooted and established in love. You accept me right now, just as I am, because of what Jesus did. And in a sense, I'm actually preaching to my soul in the presence of my Father. And just over years, getting greater and greater freedom in being being able to relate to God in heaven as my dad. But not only do we relate to him as dad, so this opening line, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. The word hallowed comes from the word holy. That means that God is other. God is greater. There is nothing like Him. God is above creation. God was before creation. God is within creation. God is omnipotence. God is omnipresence. Not only is God my Father, but He is a majestic, holy, incredible being. You see, when we forget that, then God becomes my chummy. How's it, Dad? How's it going? And while God does want to relate to us with intimacy, theologians will call this the eminence of God. We also relate to him as a transcendent God. And here's where I believe this comes together. It's not either or. I mean, here's the thing. When we understand the greatness of God and the majesty of God and the holiness of God and and just our view of God gets bigger and bigger and bigger and then when we recognize that that God wants me to run and jump into his arms and call him dad. Doesn't that blow your mind? Wow. My Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, when it's just up to me with unfiltered prayers and I just sit down and start praying, I'm going to ask God to just do a whole bunch of stuff for me. You know, I've got my life and I just want God, help me here, help me there, provide for me there. A little bit more back to my bank account, God. But uh, please sort me out here, God. That becomes my shopping list, list of requests. And we're going to get there in this prayer. But by praying this line, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth, in Riverside, in the south of Joburg, in my home, 
as it is in heaven. We are training ourselves to align ourselves with God's will and His kingdom instead of trying to force Him to align Himself with my will and my kingdom. And so we pray this prayer. I am shaped by praying this prayer. You see, you can listen to a sermon. You can read something in scripture. You can read something in a book. You can have someone share something with you. And in all of these moments, just have a little bit of, wow, I think God is speaking to me about something. Either he's encouraging me or he's convicting me. And yet we can just ignore it. We can even go home and pray the Lord's Prayer and actually say this line without any net increase of God's kingdom in my life. And yet what God is wanting for you is more of His reign, more of His presence, more of His rule in your life and He's training us to pray this. So I want to just give you three areas that helps me do this. The first area is, and this is what next week's gonna be about, I really strongly encourage you to come, but I pray scripture. I don't just read scripture. I pray scripture. You see, I, I can think of about five needs that I have and maybe about three things that maybe God's doing in my life, but there are thousands and thousands of verses in this book expressing God's desire, God's kingdom, God's will. And suddenly I'm praying for things I would never ever have thought of. And what I often find, and this is how God works in the Spirit, is when I'm going through something, I just happen to come across a verse that is speaking directly into the situation, but it gives me a greater perspective of what God wants in the situation because it is His words. So I'm praying His words. And that gives me a confidence that I'm praying His will. So I pray Scripture. The second thing that helps me pray this line is I think to myself, just where's God speaking to me? Maybe it was through a friend. Maybe it was through a book. Maybe it was through a podcast or a sermon. Or maybe God just deposited something in me as I was going through my day. Maybe I am going through something, a difficult trial, and I'm seeking to know what is God's kingdom in this space. And I just become alert to just God double-clicking on an area in my life or highlighting something in my life. And then I say, God, what does your kingdom look like here? In this space of trial or difficulty or marriage or life or church, parenting, what is your kingdom? And I'm going to pray your kingdom. I'm going to look for verses. I'm going to look for promises. And if, God, if I know God is speaking to me about something, sometimes it takes me a few days, but eventually I'm going to get to the point, okay, God, I'm listening. What does more of your kingdom look like in my life because of this area? And the third thing that helped me pray this line is what God's doing in this church. Now, I know I'm the pastor of the church, so you're like, well, Stephen, that's just you. I don't think it should just be me. I'm asking myself, what is God doing in the church? If God's speaking to us as a church about prayer, I am praying about prayer. If God is speaking to us about biting, I'm praying, God, I want more of you. Forget about everybody. No, 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 I don't forget about you. I pray for you, I promise. But I wanna be a leader who leads from a place of abiding with you. If God is speaking to us as a church about money, I'm praying, Lord, let your kingdom come in my life and your will when it comes to money and finances. And whatever the series is, I'm praying that. So I don't know if that helps you. But as we get to the next part of this prayer, this is probably what is most hardwired into us as a default for us. The words, give us. All right, give us this day our daily bread. 
I think what makes this line very difficult for many of us to pray is that many of us don't have to worry about where our next meal is coming from. Most of you had something warm for breakfast, are going to go home to something for lunch. If you're fasting, maybe you're not really looking forward to more vegetables, but nonetheless, it's something nutritious, something warm. And then you're going to have a third meal tonight. You came here in one of your cars. All right, you chose clothes from your wardrobe that matched. You had options. And for that reason, while we may say the words, give us this day our daily bread, many of us, it doesn't mean anything to us. So what I want to encourage you as you pray this prayer is number one, a spirit of thanksgiving and a spirit of dependence. So thank God and ask him. Thank God and ask him. Lord, thank you that I've just had a warm breakfast. Thank you for the salary that I've received. Thank you for the good home that I have. Thank you for the family that I have. Thank you. It all comes from you. I thank you. And even if you think you know your next salary is coming in and it's a done deal, I want to encourage dependence in you. We've just learned this in the God and Money series. Everything we have comes from God, including your next paycheck. So even though you know the cogs are turning, it's going to come your way in a few days' time, Lord, give me today my daily bread. I'm dependent upon you. Now, what does that do when we're training ourselves with thanksgiving and dependence? Even if you're not in plenty, but sorry, not in want, you're in plenty. You're aligning yourself again with God and His heart. You're recognizing all things come from Him. You're becoming a steward. You're becoming a manager. But don't just think that this line only refers to money. Remember what Jesus said in John 15? Apart from me, you can do nothing. You will not bear fruit in your life apart from abiding in Jesus. All right? So when you pray this prayer, don't just think about your paycheck. Lord, give me strength today for these meetings that I'm lining up for. Give me wisdom for the decisions because apart from you, Lord, I'm gonna mess up here, Lord. So give me wisdom for these decisions. God, I need your grace today. God, I need the breath in my lungs that you give me as a gift of grace. God, everything that I need for today is gonna come from you today. So Lord, I come to you asking for grace and wisdom and faith. I think one of the other reasons that we struggle to pray this line of the prayer is sometimes we think, well, I need to wait for a crisis in my life. Then I'll come to God with my big needs. And we sometimes think that our other needs are too small. I love Philippians 4 verses 19. Do not be anxious about anything. But in, say the word with me. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, small things, big things, medium things, bring your requests to God. And my kids know that. They don't wait until they break a leg before they come bother me. They're just, Dad, I'm hungry. Dad, I'm tired. Dad, I want to watch TV. Dad, can I do this? Dad, can I have another snack? They just bring every single need that they have to me, which is wonderful. And God wants us to bring every need to Him. But I also think sometimes there's a ceiling to our asks. And one of the things God is teaching me and one of the things that I think Jesus trains us in the scriptures is to pray boldly. Those big asks. My son, one of my sons the other day driving to school and on the way he says, Dad, I'm going to invent a jetpack. 
and, and super boots that allow you to walk on clouds. Okay, this is massive, bold, you know, imagination. Super boots that can make you walk on clouds and a jetpack. Now, here's what I don't do as a father, and hopefully as a good father. <laughs> here's what I don't do. That's stupid. Listen, man, I give him a chemistry lecture and a physics lecture. And that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. I don't do that. What do I do? That's amazing, boy. Boy, I hope that you're the guy who invents those boots. I hope you're the guy that invents a jetpack. Just remember me when you make all those millions. All right? And even though I know he will come against the hard facts of how clouds are made and physics and all the rest, what do I want for him? I want to nurture imagination. I want to nurture the fact that there's not limits on him. I don't know if I always do that well, but God is saying, guys, come to me with your jetpack asks. Come to me with your super big prayers. If you've got a dumb request, he's not going to give it to you because he's a good father. But he wants to nurture faith in you. He wants to nurture imagination in you. He wants to nurture a concept of the fatherhood of God in you. The how much more father? How much more will our Father in heaven give good things to those who ask? Because James says you do not have because you don't ask. I believe God wants more for you and more for me and more for this church than we ever imagined. And God wants to send us on a trajectory where we are starting to believe that. Give us this day. We bring our asks big and small, bold and insignificant. Just a small little thing. I mentioned this to one of our ministry teams. I forget who I said this to about a week ago. Whatever you're praying for yourself, pray for the church. If you're praying for wisdom for yourself, pray for wisdom for your family and pray wisdom for your church. If you're praying for God to provide for you, ask God to provide for the church. If you're praying for God to give you boldness, supernatural boldness, pray for God to give the church supernatural boldness. It'll take you an extra 30 seconds, but imagine we all started doing that. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. I listened to a podcast the other day and they were talking about the difference between those who regularly share their faith versus those who don't regularly share their faith and some of the practices that set them apart. Do you know what one of the regular practices were practiced by those who regularly share their faith? Confession. Like Stephen, I, I don't understand. Why does confession make me share my faith more regularly? I'll tell you why. Two reasons. Number one, it increases your love for God and increases your compassion for others. You see, when I am daily confessing, bringing my brokenness before God, coming face to face with my own shortcomings, my wrong motives, my failure to do anything meaningful in life. I recognize I am in need of a savior. I look up at a cross where my savior takes my sin upon himself, gives me freedom and forgiveness by grace. It's absolutely scandalous. And I love him more. Why? Because those who have been forgiven much, love much. But it also means I have greater compassion on others. Why? Because suddenly I'm not on the self-righteous throne looking down at all these pagans. I'm a broken person in need of grace. And so are you. Here's just something for you to think about when it comes about, when, it, when you talk about confession. 
This may freak some of you out and and I really encourage you to do this in your journal. Be as brutal as possible. I know for oaks here, I mean, if, if, you're a, if you're an oak, you struggle with lust. And we so often we come to God, you know, God, I'm struggling with lust. No, 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 no. Itemize it. I looked at her this way and thought this. I clicked on that website and I did that and I thought that. Be as brutal as possible. When I lost my temper with my kids, this is what is going on inside of my heart. I really wanted to hurt them. I don't know, you finish that sentence, be as brutally clear as possible. Why? Because sin grows in the dark and what we need to do is bring it into the light. Two last things on confession. Number one, we forgive to God for forgiveness. Because when we confess our sins to God, He is faithful and just to forgive us our trespasses. 1 John 1 verses 9. But then the book of James says, we confess to our friends for healing. Can you see the difference? We confess to God for forgiveness. We confess to our friends for healing. I know this is what Craig has been teaching us in the men's group. Have some people around you where you are going to get that brutal with your sin. Bring it into the light and you're going to experience the grace and forgiveness of God and healing there. Don't you want that? Aren't you tired of trying this thing on your own? Trying to find acceptance with God. Trying to find and manufacture healing in your life. Well, God is saying, well, come and confess and also confess to others for healing. Let's go to the next line. I'm just needing to move on here. Forgiven people, forgive people. One of the greatest signs of godliness is not how we raise our hands here on a Sunday morning. It's kind of part of it. But it's the fact that I'm right with people in my life. So again, bring out your journal. Lord, is there anyone that I've offended? Or is there anyone who has offended me? Is there anyone that, that I've been holding something against? There's some bitterness in my heart. What is it, God? Expose it. Spirit, show me what's going on inside of me. And then forgive. Now, I don't want to make it sound like it's an easy thing. I know that when we've been, uh, uh, offense has been taken, it's a complex thing. And when pain has been experienced, it's very, very complex. But God, I'm going to come to you. Jesus, you're the one who took the sins of the world on yourself. Now you are in me. Therefore, help me absorb the sins of this person in my life. And what happens? I do it the next day. Because maybe yesterday it didn't feel like anything happened, but Lord, help me forgive them today. The reason why we pray this prayer daily is because, and then I do it the next day. And it might take you months before you experience freedom and forgiveness in your life. But this is something that we proactively do and seek because we want God's kingdom in our lives. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Isn't this true of you? We normally pray after we've given into temptation. Right? After we've lost our temper. After we've spent that money we didn't have to spend. After we clicked on that thing we shouldn't have clicked on. God is wanting us to be proactive, not just reactive. So lead me, God. Lead me today. The scriptures say that if we are led by the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. So God, may I walk where you are leading me. May I see what you want me to see. May I hear only the things you want me to hear. May I think only the thoughts you want me to think. Lead me. And what happens? I fall. 
And because I'm praying this prayer daily, I confess. I confess to my friends. And then I pray, lead me. And then I fall. And then I confess. And I experience freedom as I confess to my friends. And then I pray again, Lord, lead me today. And let me tell you, day after day, week after week, month after month of praying this prayer, God will lead you to freedom. Yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Just a daily reminder. God, I do not exist for my kingdom. I exist for yours. I do not exist for my glory. I exist for yours. Can you see how this prayer, right from those first two words, our Father, to these words, yours be the kingdom, the power and the glory, shapes you. You cannot say these words with any meaning without being changed. This prayer has changed me more than almost anything in my life. Carving out some time to allow the Spirit to show me just what's going on. What is God's kingdom looking like in this situation? And and what are my needs? And what are my asks? And what are my bold asks? And what are the things I'm too ashamed to ask for? And where am I experiencing temptation? And how is God going to lead me here? And where do I need to confess? And and who do I need to ask forgiveness from? And who do I need to go and confess to? If, If that's what you're praying, you will be changed. You will experience God's grace in your life. And you will know Him better. So guys, I want to wrap up with a prayer and I know we're over time. But please pray with me. Father, and church, just to let you know, I'm, I'm just thinking particularly of those who struggle to relate to God as Father. However perfect or imperfect you believe your Father was, if what, what God is showing you this morning is not your experience of the Father, Lord Jesus, I pray for those who are recognizing this gap between where we are and recognizing you as dad. That we can come with our big requests and our needs. We can come with our sin and find mercy and grace. We can come and we already are sons and daughters. There's nothing we can do to make you love us more and there's nothing we can do to make you love us less. Father, I pray that even supernaturally something would shift in our hearts this morning. That from this point onwards, we would relate to you more and more every single day as a good father, daddy. God, I pray for those who have a broken relationship with their father for whatever reason. And I'm asking that you pour grace into that wound. God, that you're renewing us by transforming our minds as we think differently, but that also your spirit is bringing healing and freedom into these pains. God, release us to relate to you as Father. And God, I'm asking that this morning there is an an effective work done by your spirit in our lives. I pray this, Jesus, in your mighty name. Amen.